when black people get on board with it like when black people lying all around the corner just to get into a Medea movie even though you know Medea goes to Halloween is gonna be just like Medea goes to jail and a Medea Christmas and a Medea Thanksgiving and a Medea Valentine's Day like it makes it seem like oh well they're accepting of Tyler Perry acting this way so this must be real Welcome to Gentrification, a podcast where we do deep dives on topics and speak on how it relates to our black adult lives. Join us as we get into the nitty gritty of relationships, politics, pop culture, religion, and so much more. I'm Gloria. And I'm Sunny. Let's dive in. As always, let's get into On the Rocks. I'm... Even though it's early in the morning, I'm still sticking to my guns and I'm drinking my apple lemonade vodka infusion. I got some lemon elderflower smearing off. I got some simply lemonade and then I got some honey and honey apple and lemon polar sparkling water. Ooh. I'm a little jealous of this one. This sounds really good. Like, well, I'm going to take a sip. Apple. This is my first sip. Let's see how it tastes. Oh, that's good. <laughs> of course you say it's good. No, just kidding. I know it's good. I've had your cocktails before, and you're good. Oh, that one's good. <laughs> Great cocktail. It's very subtle. Like, the apple is there. You know, apple is one of those flavors. Like, if you're not using apple juice, it's like... Is gonna really be apple-y and then apple and lemonade together. I'm just like apple lemonade. That's weird, but this is good. It it does sound weird, but then it it sounds yeah fun and interesting. Like you want to try it, apple lemonade. That's not something you really see. I, I've never seen it, so yeah, I'm intrigued. It's good. You got to make this cocktail. Got it. I'm down. <laughs> what are you sipping on? Some sparkling water, right? Yep. Homemade I mean, it is or beer, so? If anything, it would be bubbles, but um, yeah, sparkling water. It's a little early, so just happy to check in, talk to you. It's been a little bit since we've given an update. We did do like a little small check in, but you know, happy that we've been able to stick with this have some listeners like keep growing thank you guys okay, well since you said it let's jump into the sister check-in we did do a sister check-in like what right before christmas we did yeah when you want to leave y'all hanging yeah like right before christmas yeah did we do it wait was it before or after christmas it was like i don't know i think before like, Cause I don't know it if we talked about good. our Christmas I, gifts. Like, was it like Christmas Eve? Did we? I don't know. I don't know, but I got some AirPods for Christmas. I just want to reiterate that in case I didn't on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We um, we did small gifts for each other because we're saving. So, um, bro, you you're still not convincing me that y'all did not go over y'all twenty five dollar limit. Okay, we did. We did. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. 
Okay, because you were telling me the stuff, and I'm like, there's no way in hell y'all got a deep freezer, a rotary phone, a new Cadillac, and all this for $25. The military is not that elusive. Like, You know I like to find a deal. I'm bargaining Betty. What are you talking about? Baby, Betty ain't bargaining that hard in this, in this economy. No, for sure not, but... um. We did. We did. Like, I, thanks to your suggestion, I found like the mini colognes and they were like a hit. And hey. you can at least get two for less than $25. So that is a steal. Like, I really appreciate that. He loved them. It was some, um, cream on his list that he <laughs> wanted to try. So he was super excited. So that was just a couple of the things, but he did get a couple other as well. So. Thank you. <laughs> hey, of course. I didn't have a guy to buy for this Christmas. Well, I did have a guy to buy for this Christmas. My nephew, of course. Yes. yes. My main man, baby. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I honestly spent a lot of, like, this in-between time, like, hanging out with family. It's been good for me to do that. Um, detoxing from a toxic environment has always, you know, that's always good. Um, we've been watching the news though, so it's just like, uh, that's like when I go to my sister's house some some mornings, like before work, so that my niece doesn't have to go with her to take my nephew to school. Like she comes back and we like watch the news with my niece. First off, my niece is all up into it, three months and just glued to the screen. Like she's gonna love Kid Earhart, and then like just the stuff the news is saying, I'm like, oh my god, this is why I don't watch the news. Even in the morning time, they be on that BS. You gotta be careful how much news you take in, especially like you know, from the TV. That they, it's like if you're gonna tell bad stories, have some positive ones to balance it out. Like where it's a little bit too much on the negative side sometimes. So I, I just feel like they just be gaslighting too hard. Like they're then with this economy, the economy is good. Joe Biden, this is this is one of his talking points for his new campaign, and people just don't believe it because we don't feel it. <laughs> the fuck you mean? We don't believe it. We live it, and, and we ain't feeling it. We ain't feeling that this economy is good. <laughs> it's been it's been tough for a lot of people. I can say that. So, um, you know, you do have to decide what's best for you, but at the same time. Like you said, a lot of people living the same life is starting to look real interesting for people. Mm-hmm. So. It's negative yeah. bone chill here in St. Louis. Um, you, I'm hearing and I, I'm so sorry for y'all. Girl, whatever. That's all I can say for real. Sorry for, for real us, life. but happy for yourself. Don't get me wrong, I'm not on... A sunny, beautiful island, but I am in Northern California, and I wasn't expecting all of this. <laughs> am I complaining? No, there's not. You know, snow. There's no snow, so it's only just rain and a little cold. Which buy some rain boots and a good coat, and you're good to go. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, but up further up in Northern Cali, white people have been getting fucked up by the snow. Yeah. Not just white people. People have been getting fucked up by this. I'll say snow activity people. It was a girl who got... Did you see the lady who got buried by the avalanche? 
I did see that, and that's what I was gonna say. Like we're not, we're just a few hours away from that, so that is definitely like. But we're not going that way anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. Then there's another video. I don't know where this man was. I think he was in Cali. He might not have been, though. This man was skiing, and there was a snowboarder in front of him. And they just going, going. And I guess the man had on a GoPro. And, like, you see the snowboarder, and then you just don't see him anymore. And the man is just skiing and skiing and skiing, and he comes across the snowboard itself. Dude got buried. He crashed into a tree and, like, got buried under... And the man, like, helped him out. I was like, I would die. He started, like, digging to get the guy out. And he uncovered the guy's face. He's like, you all right? The guy's like, yeah, I'm cool. He's like, all right, I'm going to get you out of there. I didn't know. And this makes sense now. But I'm not a skier or a snowboarder. Uh, Hidden Valley is all I've ever done, really. <laughs> um, but he had, like, a shovel in his bag. A little shovel that he put together to dig the guy out. I was like, yo, I'm so happy that I watched this because if I ever go skiing or snowboarding, which I probably won't because everything in nature is pointing towards don't do it. Um, I would need to have one of those shovels, though. Yep, gotta be prepared. And people think I'm crazy because I like to take a first aid kit with me everywhere I go. You never know. Like, you seriously don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, it is... Yeah, man. He had a shovel? Yeah, a tiny little shovel in his backpack. He, like, had to put the handle in and, like, click it to get it, like, you know, to be a full shovel. It wasn't even a full mouth shovel, but to be a shovel with a handle. It was maybe, like, two feet tall, and he dug the guy out. I was like, that is really, man, miracles left and right. Yeah, talk about right place at the right time. And just noticing, because, baby, me, you know me. I would see a snowboard in this. Ain't my business, baby. Ain't my business. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. We do tend to live in our own worlds and not pay attention or try to care about what other people have going on. But that is amazing that he was really able to be there. Yeah, save that man's life, man. That's... Um, all right. Anything else you want to talk about in the sister check-in? I know you've been planning your wedding. How's that going? Yeah. Um, it's exciting. Like, it's been a long couple years. Like, we have had a lot going on. And I feel like the timing is right. Like, this is a good time for everybody to come together have a celebration like just enjoy ourselves everybody let your hair down breathe relax and have a good time like um we're happy we're excited about our lives and starting well slash continuing (laughs) business journey together but we are like it was super important to us to be able to spend it with our family. So we can't wait. Like it's in motion. I'm picking stuff. Decisions are being made. Things are happening. Like I'm excited. Hell yeah. I'm excited about it. Like I, I mean, recently the past like three weddings that I've been to, that I actually went to my sister's one of my other best friends. And then I guess your wedding would be the next one I go to. I've actually been excited about them. I'm not a huge wedding person, as you know. Um, 
Yeah. Two of those weddings are going to be in St. Louis, so that's how they were able to actually get me there. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I do. I have had a bit of better outlook on weddings now. Like it is a time to celebrate people and like the couple and their union, and it's a nice gesture to be invited to celebrate that with somebody. I still personally want to have my own private wedding because that's just me. But I do understand why people have weddings, and I think it is a beautiful thing. So I'm excited. Yeah. Plus, open bar, baby. I mean, look, when you see the price tag, yeah, <laughs> gotta make decisions. <laughs> but um, like I said, it's just from day one, family has been a huge part of our lives and very, very important to us. So. Um, yeah, we want to make this happen and we're making it happen. <laughs> All right. I mean, we'll do a deep dive on that next episode. I think we'll do a real deep dive into that. Give your bride yes. moments to vent and brag and do all the stuff that brides do. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you already know what I'm going to say, but <laughs> save it for um, the people. Yeah, it's been a fun time already, but it's coming soon, so I'm excited. All right. Well, I think we can move into our agenda now. And our agenda, actually, as most things that we do, they don't just fall out of the sky. And we might be (laughs) low-key like a week behind the trending topics. But I watched the Cat Williams interview. Did you? We we're in it. I watched it. Um, I was. It made you think. It made you think. You it made you laugh and it made you think. Like Cat Williams, whether that was just a two-hour stand-up special or you, you mean know, two hours and forty-five minutes, it. honey? That thing was almost three <laughs> hours. Or unless he was just speaking his truth exactly as he says, um, it was something to listen to for sure. It was. And one of the things that he talked about was something that we're talking about today, which is black comedians in dresses. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because he's not the first person to mention this. And I feel like it's becoming more and more of, like, a thing in black Hollywood. Like, black men who are like, I've never worn a dress. Like, that's, like, a badge of honor to them. It's almost like them not selling out, in my opinion. They say, it like, a badge of honor. Like, who else can say they haven't done it? And not that many other black men in Hollywood can raise their hands and be like, I didn't wear a dress. For whatever reason it is for. Yeah. Um, Kid Cudi had a little thing where he brought up him wearing a dress and got some backlash about it because he tried to relate it to his experience as a black man and other black men were like, nah, buddy, we, we was with you as far as artistic expression, you got it. But as far as like it being like the plight of the black man to wear a dress, we ain't with you on that one. And that made me want to like look into it like why is this such a huge deal? Like, why is this such a sticking point for black men? And like, I wanted to talk about it. We should have had a guest. I know it's the latest moment to think of this, but we definitely should have had a guest, but it's okay. 
Go I'm wake him up. Hell. <laughs> Say that again. Go wake him up. Where he at? <laughs> <laughs> right. He does like to be featured on the show. He does. Um, but um, yeah, I am excited to dive into this topic too because it's a lot of perspective. It's a lot of strong opinions and people make their money however they decide to like it's their choice at the end of the day so let's let's get into it all right so the first article we're going to be talking about is called why do black men wear dresses we got this from the root.com by keith hosev i'm guessing it's hosev because it's h-o-s-e-f yep that's what i would get to keith (laughs) hosev atkins um and yeah so what did you think about the article i felt that this article really spoke to the fact that there's so many comedians that have done it and where it started flip wilson you know we did a little bit of research as to you know exactly what this look like and it just talked about how it was it seems like a a rites of passage almost because like how many people just like you said can say they didn't do it and some people are saying that um it's for acting or it's for them uh really being courageous to explore all parts of their lives because they say that they're like you know artists and they're reflecting this from things that they've been a part of but it does have a stereotype that just manages to stay along with it like you know certain things that you constantly see throughout each of these characters and it's you know, is it telling that they really think this far into it of what am I representing? How am I representing my community? Or is it just, I'm just making money and exploring my art. Okay. So you, so like my whole life, when I see black male comedians, mostly in dresses, I feel like they are always representing like one of those black female tropes Mm. like the mammy for example like tyler perry Mm. um eddie murphy martin lawrence you know they big mama mama clumps medea those are all to me like versions of the the mammy character and i do feel like part of it for me was always like okay they want to like set the same standard of like the mammy being like asexual, not something that somebody would find attractive. So I understand why they have a man playing that role because a man in a dress, like shout out to RuPaul's Drag Race. And this has no types of negativity on people who do drag because baby, they can do it. <laughs> I have seen people in drag and could not tell the difference, especially with the amount of makeup that cis women wear today. It's hard sometimes to tell who's who's who. <laughs> So I've always felt like, okay, they're just trying to do that whole, like, this this is an older black woman who's unattractive type thing. Because I don't think their drag is that cute. 
I don't think any of them has called up RuPaul and said, hey, I'm going to dr- put on a dress. Make me look as feminine as possible when I do this. Yeah. And I also thought it was something akin to like America's not ready to see older black women as actors like that. So I always thought about like back in the day when they did plays, they didn't let women do it. So men used to dress up as women, even as like queens and very like noble women. And these were white people dressing up as women and they just didn't allow women to be in certain spaces. So I also always felt like it was a male dominated area in the black community because I feel like comedy is very male dominated when it comes to black people. And I thought they just like were kind of taking away opportunity for a female comedian to get in there and play that role. I I like that perspective and I do agree with that. That was something that I first thought about when that point was brought up about the men in dresses is when you go back in time, women weren't allowed to be in these plays. So men were playing both the man and the woman in these plays. And like you said, it can be the queen, the princess, whatever it was, they were taking on these characters. And as it has evolved, I also agree about the male comedy being like comedy being so male dominated. Like you're not giving people a chance. You're not trying to be authentic. Like, and that's what it is. I feel like to a certain extent, the thought of them being authentic isn't really there. They say that they are, you know, inspired or receive the mannerisms and tendencies from their own family members and things. Yes, but at the most extreme point or at the point that you've probably never really seen them before. Like you could imagine them doing these, but have you really seen them portray all of the things that you act and speak as comedy when you are this character? And another thing I always have thought of is that like, Black women are kind of more funny to me than black men. Hmm. I like that. I like that. <laughs> and I think women are funnier than men in general in the way that like, like women, no matter what race you are, I feel like you have to code switch and not like code switch, like going from being what's up to being like, oh, hello. Hi. It's like when it's just like us women around women, we have a different sort of camaraderie and like an eye roll can say a lot. Yeah. Or a hair flip or like just a look can give you yes. a feeling of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have worn this. Or, and especially like in the black church, because a lot of things are not said in the black church. You just get a lot of, you know, you acting a fool. You look out into the audience and your grandma staring at you and you're like, all right, let me change my whole behavior. She ain't got to say nothing. She ain't got to wave her arms. All of it, just right. that eye contact. You know what I'm saying? Like. Or, you know, you talking to somebody and, you know, you playing around with your clothes a little bit and, like, a lady will look at you and, like, you know, give you that that's unbecoming look. Like, <laughs> it's like there are looks that black women give and all women give that make you feel a certain way. So I also felt like it's easier to be a woman because there's more funny and oppression. And, like, black people comedy comes from oppression. And since women are so oppressed... And black women especially are oppressed in a sense of like, we have all these gender norms that kind of fall on us, but also don't fit in with us because like I've, I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, like black women have always worked. Black women have always contributed to their households and other people's households. And black women have always been expected to be 
women, but also do things that men do and act like they don't do it. So I feel like there's more of a variety when playing the female role for comedy to flourish. So that's why, like, a man with a gun, not as funny. Grandpa with a gun, you know, you think of him in a rocking chair on the front porch with a gun, garden house. But you're not thinking about him going grocery shopping and he got a gun in his bra or a gun in his purse. And if somebody walk up to him, it's going to be some problems. Like, you know, so like the Medea character... I think is what really pushed over the edge this whole like black male comedians wearing a dress. And I think it's interesting because I don't think of Tyler Perry as a comedian really until he's playing that Medea character. Yeah. But he's yeah. one of the people that I feel like has unequivocally um, defended his role as Medea using some of the things you said. Well, I grew up around women in the church. I had a Medea. This is how they act. And I'm just simply you know, exploring those roles and highlighting the comedy that you find in these types of characters. And I don't know how I feel about it. I, it's, oh man, that one is, it's tough for me because I remember seeing the plays and we love to watch them as plays and we laugh so much and we couldn't get enough of this character. And now I wonder, is it because I was already seeing other characters that look like that and this was like a reinvented version that was funnier because of the more exaggerated things that the, you know, character had done. Um, and then I also think about like, did I just like it because it was funny? And I feel like it's a little bit of both. Um, I feel like the plays, especially just because we, I guess going back so far, we started with watching his plays and then as they involved to movies, I kind of fell off towards the end. I was like, okay, I've seen Medea do a million different things at this point. Um, you know, she don't want to jail and back, baby. <laughs> I know what's gonna happen when Medea is in these spaces, but then I also feel like that was just one aspect of Tyler Perry and even of his comedy to a certain extent. It's not like you see much more, but when you know that he's behind the writing and the production of other shows that have a lot of comedy features. Yeah, you get, you start to look at the, the character types and, like, what other stereotypes do they play off of. But um, at the same time, I would say he's mastered the market that he's in. Like, um, One thing that Mr. Acton said in his article that I found interesting, um, he said, and many artists like to indulge or exploit every part of their humanity which in their case include a feminine part. And it might actually be considered a talent to embody a woman's persona. Uh-oh, society de society's designated guideline for a woman's persona. That's better. In fact, some may consider it courageous. I found that interesting because, again, because like in some of the movies that we, in some of the situations where men put on dresses, they're oftentimes... Also, in that same film or that same skit, not in a dress, playing a male character. And I've always felt like the characters that Tyler Perry played in his movies as 
a male are pretty mute compared to the characters that he played as Medea. Um, so like he'll always show himself as like the nephew or the son that's the lawyer that's coming to get Medea out of jail or coming to get her out of a jam and and Martin even like Martin was funny but Shanene was like overly (laughs) like when there was an episode with Shanene in it I felt like I got off the I left the episode thinking about Shanene's character not about what Martin was doing yeah that's true that's true same with big mama's house like i don't even necessarily like and the nutty professor like i don't think about the male parts that they played in those movies as much as i think about the female parts that they played in that movie and when nutty professor came out i was very young and it never rubbed me the right way i don't know why it just never did i didn't like the idea that you had like a family of black people all obese sitting around the table eating and like just, you know, farting and like not yeah. being like having zero class. Like, so that made me feel like he was making a caricature of black people in general and that pissed me off. So from then on, I never really rolled with Eddie Murphy after that, honestly. Yeah. It, and it's so interesting because you grow up with these movies as like black classics to a certain extent and you watch them with your family and like you said you didn't feel you know comfortable but we definitely at the time like really leaned in but once you look back on it you're like where do we find positive representations of ourselves in the media, in comedy, in, you know, Hollywood? And it's, this is where we really get to that point where people start to say, you know, the men constantly putting on the dresses is what's emasculating the, you know, community. And I don't really lean into that as much because I do feel like that was one character they made, that one character they played, one choice that they made, and they have other things that represent other types of characters. But I do feel like it is definitely time to lean into a better narrative overall when telling black stories. So, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, another thing Acton said that I, like, thought about was he said, Black men have it tough enough in this country, and anything or one that suggests vulnerability and femaleness could be considered a threat to their hard-earned, to the hard-earned image of the Black man, of black manhood, without a doubt. But something tells me Perry or Lawrence don't care about that. So, um, the whole idea that putting on a dress for black Hollywood or for Hollywood is some way in some ways a way to emasculate the black man in a way that United States has historically always emasculated black manhood. And I think that's interesting because I found it interesting because it's not something that's just a black thing. Mm -hmm. There are white comedians who also put on dresses. And they don't have this, they don't have this debate, at least I've never heard them having this debate as harshly and as, um, 
consistently as black people yeah. have had this debate. Absolutely. And I definitely, as I was watching the interview, the Cat Williams interview, I was really caught up in the moment. I was like, yeah, like when you think about it, it's not that many people. But then when you think about it, there are just as many white males that have worn dresses. And it's typically more so part of comedy than any, you know, thing else. But even in some of those situations, it's slightly different. So what was it in Big Mama's house? He was wearing the dress to make everybody think he was a grandma for what reason again? Like Wasn't that he needed to spy on the neighbors? I feel like that was like one of the later ones like what the first one was like he was trying to get a woman or like learn more about her or something like that or Well he was an FBI agent. And then yeah. maybe he was trying to get close to her. I don't know. I forgot the premise. But what I do know is Big Mama left to go on vacation. And he decided to dress up as her. Because, of course, if a black woman walks away, a black man can just slap on a wig and a dress. And then everybody will be like, yep, that's her. Like, she looks just like him. And my thing is, look at the effort that went into making Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, he was trying to get closer to his kids, first of all. He went to somebody that had some type of knowledge and experience in putting this on, which in Big Mama's house they did too. Like, they used the technology and all that good stuff. But it didn't look like her. It did not look like her. Like, all this stuff and it doesn't even look like her. They was using makeup and paste and glue and clay. And, like, come on. They really... Try to become the person, in my opinion. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it did have funny features in both, I will say. Um, but at the same time, there's a part of you that starts to feel a little uh, uncomfortable or questioning, like, you know, who does this really represent? And it's is it really accurate? And a lot of times, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's like the the erasure of black women in a way. Yeah. Again, like, I do think it's because how black women do have a lot of things that we do, that black men also do. Um, in addition to the feminine duties that we have as women in the United States. But like I said, we work. We have businesses. We kind of run our households and I do feel like it's maybe one of those things where it's like showing a black man interacting with a black woman in the household and showing that she actually does run the household and that I've always felt like the black community has been kind of a matriarchy not because that's what I was just gonna say absolutely like not because black women are stronger than black men or anything like that but black men get killed routinely black men get arrested and a lot of black men are you know unfortunately not able to be around their families for whatever reason so I feel like black women have taken on this role of making sure that with or without a man my family's gonna be straight like and I that was you know one of my points as well is that when you comment, when you look at like a lot of the common black families, it's more of a matriarchy. Like 
you have it's funny we make this joke <laughs> um that a lot of times when you hear kids talk about going to visit their grandparents they're going to grandma's house like yes grandpa might pay the bills like yes you know it may be whatever kind of structure it is internally or through their family but a lot of the times like the 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 grandmother is the matriarch and helping to guide the family and lead the family and making some of those you know big decisions and really helping the family to understand what it looks like for us to be successful going forward so um it's a big deal and it's so much more to be honored in that and that's the part that really starts to like bother you it's like okay yeah Medea's funny but how many grandmas really walk around with a gun in their purse like some of them depending on where you live do what you do no problem with that but at the same time um they're a lot more nurturing than what you see yeah Okay, so you want to move on to the next... The Well, the next article is not really an article, it's a list. Um, but yep. it's from blackamericaweb.com. Um, and it's black male comedians and actors that have worn dresses. Yeah. And I added is. to this list a little bit, because I feel like they only had about like eight on there. Yeah, it was kind of short, but it does capture just about everybody that comes to mind to me. So... Of course, Eddie Murphy, we've already mentioned that. Jamie Foxx. Um, I don't think we mentioned him yet, but when he played Wanda, so, yep. Uh, and then my but- thing about him with Wanda, <laughs> it's like, again, that's like the, like, it's like, why do you have to make us look unattractive? Like, if you're going to do drag... Do it right. Like, get the right people in to make you actually look like a woman. Like, like I said. And again, they did this back in the day. So, but no, because RuPaul was still around. Like, there were people that you could have called in to make this look better. I mean, it's in Living Color. It's a sketch show. So, I'm sure they weren't trying to go all out. But at the same time, like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And... A lot of times, you know, they just, they really try to say that this is a, a character that they're playing based off people that they know, but do we really know that many people like this? <laughs> no, we don't. So there's that. Um, Miguel A. Nunes Jr. and Juana Man. I'm not going to even say it because I've said it like five <laughs> times this week, but I thought that was somebody else. But that somebody else is on the list, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler Perry, of course, as Medea. Uh, Wesley yeah. Snipes. And that's the thing with some of these people. I'm like, I, I never thought of Wesley Snipes as a comedian. Am I missing Me something? Me either. Me either. I, I did not realize that. Maybe I need to do some research, which my bad if I do. But Wesley Snipes, wasn't he Blade? Yeah, he was. But he was in this movie. I forgot the name of it, but they got like stuck in a small town. And I don't know how it ended up happening. I don't know if they like ran out of clothes or whatever, but him and the people he was with, I think there was two other people with him and they all ended up dressed in drag. 
And it was like one of those movies where it was like, oh, like we understand drag people better now that we were able to meet you. And they go in and they teach women about how to be more feminine. You know, Mm. I... I mean, it was Wesley Snipes and like a white guy and maybe Asian guy or another white guy. Um, But that's what I always have also like kind of turned my head up to when men put on dresses is that like there's always kind of a moment where it's like they're trying to like teach the world or even teach a woman about femininity. And that's where I'm kind of like, okay, like, look, we've already let you pretend that you're a woman like please don't come and try to tell me what I need to do in order to be more feminine or how I could do something that could be more like liked or admired from a man because you're a man and you're dressed as a woman and you know these things like what (laughs) like I I don't know yeah I and what is really interesting is that Hollywood just keeps saying all the greats have done it. And it's like, why do they have to? They don't have to do that. They don't have to do that. And when you think about Dave Chappelle, he just, you know, when he went on Oprah, he talked about that. And he was just like, I have a choice. I didn't want to do it. He stood firm with Blue Street. Which I could tell that that was the movie that he was referring to. And that was the one where they wanted him to put a dress on. And he didn't do it. And he still had a role. His role was still funny. And what he just kept saying is, I don't need to put on a dress to be funny. And he was true. Like, he had a point. Yeah. I mean, there are ways to go around it. And I guess my question is always like, especially in the culture that we live in today, a comedian putting on a dress to be funny can like really offend people who are, you know, who are not cisgender females. Yeah. Because it's coming at their femininity too. And it's coming at their experience as a woman. Like you can't just put on a dress anymore and just say you're only offending women. Like trans women also feel offended sometimes when a man puts on a dress because it's inauthentic in a way. Like, if you want to honor some, it's just an odd way to show that you want to honor and uplift these morals and values that women have instilled in you over your life by then turning around, putting on a dress and like erasing their femininity by saying a man can be just as feminine and a man can have just the same experience as a woman if they put on a dress, even though they're a cisgender male it's like, uh, it's like you're just kind of like coming to the party to grab a few drinks and take a few pictures and saying that you were there the whole time, but you weren't. <laughs> okay, but back to the list. Uh, Chris Tucker. Yep, I remember that. Um, what was that, Fifth Element? Yeah, I think. I think that was a movie. Oh, crap, hold on. Yeah. Um... We already talked about Martin Lawrence. Arsenio Hall. I was shocked for that one. Coming to America. Is that what that was? Um, I don't... I think... Was it Coming to America or was it a sketch show? Let me... I thought they had it on there. Let's see. No, it says... Coming to America. 
Okay. I missed that it's one. It's the club scene. So, I think I remember that. But, yeah, Arsenio Hall is not one that you... Has he played other roles in Cassie's? Maybe that was the only one, but... Yeah. Wasn't... Once again, it's another person that took the list. It's like, mm, okay. But I do feel like your last point about how it's not accurately reflecting and also offending other people ties great um, into the last article or one of the last articles that we looked at. And it was on Anscape.com from Flip Wilson to Medea. Black male comedians in dresses are a Hollywood rite of passage. And this was by Travell Anderson. And this artic- um, article, I think, really like touched on all of the things that we brought up. It really um, brought to the fact that Flip Wilson was one of the first people to do it in the 70s as his character Geraldine. Did you happen to go and watch the, the skit? I did not. Well, it was a skit where he's talking about, um, it's called This Is Your Life, and he pulls um, Flip Wilson from the audience, dressed as a woman, and talks about different things that uh, the character Geraldine has done throughout her life. And the character, when you first watch it, if you hadn't seen it before you've seen um, Medea, it right away, that's exactly what you get. And she's really streamed with the, don't touch me, and like, um, just talking real loud, and um, has these really interesting types of boyfriends that she's had throughout her life, and just a persona that, it's like character, caricature. And for me, especially as we were exploring this topic to watch it, there were very few things that I actually laughed at. And I was just like, okay, it doesn't have to be this type of comedy to be funny is really what I thought about. Um, but from the article's perspective, um, the... Arthur talks about their experience um, being trans and that it doesn't reflect accurately how they show up and it makes it harder for them to show up as themselves because people think, you know, it's not their authentic self and sometimes feel like it's a way to validate who they really are and it could be damaging to them you know and harmful to them as a person so it's a lot of other perspectives that they that I feel like the comedian the artist isn't considering and you know it's about who's in the room who's around you and sometimes they're just not having those conversations I agree with that I think that like um that's the thing about it is that like 
because you're a male putting on a dress and portraying a female, I think a lot of people would assume that like you're kind of portraying a trans woman. Mm. But you're trying to portray a cisgender woman and for those who don't know the difference a cisgender woman is somebody whose sex and gender align so i was born with a vagina i identify as a female i'm considered cisgender a trans woman would be someone who was not born with a vagina but still identifies as a woman so for me it kind of like at first that's how i felt i was like oh like when i was younger they used to call it cross-dressing they didn't even yeah. say it was a man putting on a dress. They're like, oh, he cross-dressing. He over there being a cross-dresser and stuff like that. So, like, I think the evolution of the trans woman gets kind of, like, lost. Just like the femininity of a cis woman gets lost in these characters that these black cisgendered males tend to play when they're portraying themselves as females because they're doing the most exaggerated versions of what a female is and they're not taking into account the battle that people have to actually face in order to really deal with having masculinity or being more masculine but like wanting to be more feminine or feeling more feminine or identifying as someone more feminine i feel like they kind of completely take that out of the equation and they act like trans people don't exist and i feel like every time these men put on a dress it's a very cisgendered thing to do because mm-hmm. it's acting as if there aren't men who are trans or there aren't trans women that exist already. And then it's acting like there's only male or female, you know? Yeah. And so that's the part that like when people say, oh, Tyler Perry's in drag. I've heard a lot of people argue and be like, he's not in drag. He's just playing Medea. He's acting. That's different. And it's like, well, are they in drag or are they not? Is drag something different or is it not? And I don't think any of them took into account that drag is a whole culture in itself so like not only are you bumping up against the culture of black women because you're portraying a black woman for the sake of laughs but also you bump into the culture of like are you doing drag and if you are are you respecting the culture of drag like it's just a double-edged sword and i see and i understand why a lot of black male comedians and black men just choose not to do it um, well, not too many. <laughs> Some of them, <laughs> right? Because the Some list. Of them it's about the check. The list did go on. Like I have sixteen people on my list. Wow. <laughs> like there's Ricky Smiley, Brandon T. Jackson. We already talked about Flip Wilson, um, Kenan Thompson, mm. Ving Rhymes, Tracy Morgan, and of course Marlon and Sean Wayne's and White Chicks. Yep. Now White Chicks was interesting to me because they were portraying white women. And I don't know how many black male comedians have put on a dress and white face. Yeah, that was definitely a different angle. And I don't, I wouldn't say if it was easier or harder to watch. Um, I think at the time, I just kind of considered it as funny. But then when you think about it, like, yeah, you know, white white women may want to challenge that, too. They may, you know. I mean, and it was all exaggerated. And, like, as a black woman, I laugh because I know of white women who are dramatic like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. Went to high school with a lot of them. <laughs> went to college with a lot of them. Um, so I understand that. But I also definitely, like, when I go back and watch White Chicks now, I see that they're doing, they're taking those same, like, principles that mm-hmm. other comedians have taken when playing the role of a woman. And they're just very exaggerated. Like, oh, my fucking God. Like, the high-pitched voice. Like, the... Yeah. The like over dramatic like damsel in distress thing that they do like um, I think the Wayne's brothers are interesting because like all of these men are interesting to me because they're such huge like you said pillars in the black community like it's the Wayne's brothers like it's Martin Lawrence like Tyler Perry like these are people who you would expect to be like like they're going to be the heroes of our generation the way Martin Luther King was the hero of you know, our grandparents' generation. Like, these are people who've made major moves in society and opened up doors for black people, even if the door shut right behind them. Right. At least one of us got in. <laughs> like, um, And, like, Tyler Perry is renowned for always talking about how he pays women actors, what they should be paid. Like, he's... I mean, not Monique. Um, but... <laughs> oh, for, wow. <laughs> For the most part, you know, like, he's very big on making sure that he highlights how he always gives women the respect that they're due. So that's why it's such a conundrum to me that he acts like him playing Medea is not at all problematic. Yeah. And I'm like, there are, like, great things about it. Like, you do get a, you know, like, again, like, that... Some of the things Medea does, like, everybody can look at Medea and see if you like, yeah, I got an aunt that's about it, about it. You know, like, you know, like, I have someone who in our family, like, will take you in, but you know you're going to have to get your ear chewed off before they actually help you out. You got to listen to them tell you all about yourself and how you can fix life and all that. So, like, there are definitely things that he highlights that are positives for mm-hmm. black women in general, but... The fact that he, in interviews, refuses to believe that there's anything negative about it. And he refuses to acknowledge how it's essentially playing the memory role, the erasure of black femininity. It really just irritates me. Because it's like, yo, you're smarter than that. Yep. Yep. I I definitely agree. And it's... It makes you wonder... You know, what is the cost for people? Like, a lot of times people say, I wouldn't do these things, or, you know, they have their own set of morals and, like, standards that they go by. And then there's the temptation of, do you want to be even more famous? Do you want even more money? And... Sadly, that's what really pushes people into these conspiracies because it's like if you say no, you're you can be shut out of those opportunities forever at that point. And it's like it's tough because you know we want something to look up to, we want to. Um, have inspiration for our younger generations at the same time like how do we improve on these characters when 
not too many people are taking a stand and doing something different. And even if you think about younger comedians today, there's comedians on social media that are not getting paid and still have no problem putting on a dress or a wig. Like, at this point, it's... Maybe it's just comedy. Is it just comedy? Like, what? Well, I think it's going back to the... The menstrual show idea. Yeah. You know, like, if a black person is willing to play a trope of a black person and make fun of black people that gets majority of america laughing because let's be real majority of america is racist like it just is what it is so like if you see somebody who's willing to put on a dress and act like a super ass ghetto girl who ain't gonna do nothing for nobody don't need no man even though I got five kids and six baby daddies, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> like, you know, like that, that always makes people laugh. Yeah. But it's like, that's something that like, I feel like it doesn't reset the clock. But I feel like every time it happens, black women have to work even harder to prove like, yeah. that's not me. Absolutely. Like, that is not me. Like, I don't know how many times like, I like I have pictures of my nephew all throughout my cubicle at work. And, like, sometimes we have people from other organizations who come through and they know of me. And they'll be like, oh, is that your son? And I'm like, no, it's not my son. And they'll be like, oh. And then they'll be, like, looking like, well, who is he? You know, like, (laughs) and I'm like, it's my nephew. And they're like, oh. And, like, they go into how I'm such a good aunt and all this stuff and all that. And, you know. And then, like, the other day, like, someone who'd asked me that before, like, is that your son? It's like, no. They... I saw them outside of my office and they were like, oh, how's your son? And I was like, I don't have a son. And they were like, I for sure thought that you had children for some reason. And like, there's a part of me that just had to be like, okay, (laughs) I don't know if you're doing this intentionally, but I do know that you know that I'm not married. So like, if I was white and I wasn't married, you wouldn't jump to the conclusion that I have a child. And be so firm in it. Like, if I told you I didn't have a kid, what do you think I'm going to say the second time? Right. Okay, I do. <laughs> right, like two weeks later, oh, yes, I have a son. I was just joking around. Like, what? No, I don't have any children. And I and there's nothing wrong with having children out of wedlock or anything like that. But what is wrong with the situation to me is when you get characters played by these men who perpetuate the stereotype of the jezebel or the sapphire or you know the angry black woman the mammy like they perpetuate these stereotypes and it makes it seem like when black people get on board with it like when black people lied all around the corner just to get into a medea movie even though you know medea goes to halloween is gonna be just like medea goes to jail and a medea christmas and a medea thanksgiving and a medea valentine's day like it makes it seem like oh well, they're accepting of Tyler Perry acting this way, so this must be real. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's very true. And it does make you question, like, who's fueling the fire? Like, yeah, we say Hollywood because they have the money, but they get the money because people go out and watch this and support it. And so 
it also you know, also like the fact that it does make it harder when we go into our workspaces because any bit of emotion comes off as aggression and just because they've seen these characters they start to assume that is who you are how you act and it's it's not so it it does translate strongly into everyday lives and I think it also plays a role in them feeling like they know how to handle you. Yeah. And how to, like, communicate with you. Because they see how easy it is for somebody to just put on a dress and become you. Like, you know? Like, it takes away from the identity, I think, of being a woman. Um, any type of woman that you identify as. My stance on femininity and womanhood is that, like, if you're in it, you're in it. And if you, like, want that to be, like, who you are, then you want that to be who you are. Because being a woman is not easy. So whether you choose to be a woman or whether you felt like you were born in the wrong body or whether you were born in a body that afforded you the ability to be a woman, I feel like it's it's not like joining you know kids wb club where everything's gonna be cool or joining like you know mickey mouse house and you know you got a career with (laughs) disney now like no you're still going to have to work against oppression and it's gonna be even harder because everything you do is already getting second guessed because you're a woman yeah and then if you're a black woman it's getting second guessed because you're black as well and so for black men and black women like we have this contentious relationship where i feel like black women have always been supportive of black men and we've always done it in the shadows and we never get our flowers for it for real. Shout out to Coretta Scott King's daughter for baby. <laughs> Letting Jonathan Majors know. <laughs> My mother was not a prop. Thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> but that's just an example of like, you know, what black women have to go through and what we have to endure that like is often not seen just to be considered woman in this country just to get the treatment that women are supposed to be getting in this country and so when a black man puts on a dress but ignores what it does to black femininity that bugs me even more because again the conversation that cat williams was bringing up and that dave Chappelle even was kind of bringing up focused around black masculinity and about how putting on a dress emasculates a black man and how it you know contributes to the erasure of black manhood but it's like they don't even touch on what it's doing to black women and the presentation that it makes for black women in this country and in society. Yep. That's it. That's, yeah, that's definitely a part where it's almost uh, like this article says, it's not lost on me in the ways in which this mirrors how black women and cis black women, trans and cis alike are dehumanized in real life. Like, that's exactly you know what this article speaks to and how as much as you just see it as comedy or entertainment now we have to be more conscious about exactly how we are showing up in each space that we're in yeah and then our last article was from NPR I feel like we kind of touched on some of the things that he touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was angry. He was. 
I had to go back like, is that it? Like, no, he just stood on his soapbox, <laughs> let you know how he felt and did. Because <laughs> he really was not happy. He does not endorse it. No. All right. The title of this article was A Black Man in a Dress, No Laughing Matter. This is from NPR. It is an opinion article. And this is written by, it's a soundbite from Todd Boyd, um, who is a professor of critical studies at the University of California School of Cinema Television. And so um, it's soundbite, but article style as well. And just as the title says, he was not laughing. He's feels very strongly about it and feels like this is something that he says perhaps the cross-dressing black man is a way to neutralize the image of an empowered black man that hip-hop culture provides on a regular basis so yeah he he's not having it (laughs) that's just really all i can say um, and he feels like it's for money, it's for laughter, more so entertainment than anything else. And at this point, we've seen it long enough and it needs to stop. Yeah, he says, perhaps some entertainers will do anything for a laugh and a dollar. I'm sorry. I don't want to see any more black men in dresses. This is That is dead. There are already too many forces at work in society attempting to emasculate black men as it is. We don't need to do anything to aid these forces. Yeah. So this one, like I said, I, it was short and loud. (laughs) Um, And he does mention Carter G. Woodson and how in his book, the miseducation of the Negro. There's a situation where a person tries to get into the front door. He's repeatedly told to go to the back. He goes so many times to the back that he just starts to go there naturally to the point that if there wasn't even a door there, he would still build a door and go through the back. And he feels like to a certain extent that is what is happening in black male comedy. Like, they're telling you this is the only way for you to get to this next level of stardom is to do this and it's not and artists have shown that it's not i mean i wonder though what is the i don't think anyone has ever really sat down and done like and i don't know how you would do this but when you look at black male comedians like people like paul mooney he was very funny but also considered very controversial Yep. And now everybody, Paul Mooney, Paul Mooney, Paul Mooney, Paul Mooney. Like he was never like as up there as Richard Pryor and Red Fox, but he wrote for them. And I think that part of the reason why is because of the gatekeeping that occurs both in Hollywood and how that sets the tone for society. Like hip hop has only become American culture like in the past like 30 years. And everything is accepted now with hip-hop because everybody wants to be fancy. Everybody wants to have the newest thing. Like, it feels good. 
but like back in the day hip-hop was not looked at as like yeah that's how society's gonna be like no it it was seen as something that was brutish they didn't want it to be a part of their society i mean <laughs> didn't they go to the to congress about nwa <laughs> like right <laughs> um so i think part of it is black people having the propensity and the ability to support other black talents male or female in every arena that they're in in entertainment and being able to help them build up their following and build up their wealth the way that white people help their entertainers build up their wealth because people like paul mooney he made enough money to sustain but he stayed in like you know the chitlin circuit kind of where it was like mainly only black people supporting him and like a few white people but he would say that one thing that would just make people feel so appalled and then he wouldn't get uplifted but i always hear people talk about the black dollar the black dollar black people spend more money than any other race and all this stuff and it's like okay so like if Hollywood isn't accepting somebody like Dave Chappelle because he won't put on a dress, like Dave Chappelle managed to do it. He didn't put on a dress. He still makes millions and he still has plenty of support from the black community, if not even more support. But it's like we don't see. And maybe it's because the black comedians aren't making an outcry saying, hey, they're trying to get me to put on a dress and I don't want to do this. And if I don't, I'm not going to get this movie role. How many people are going to go support a Tyler Perry movie where he's not Medea? You know, like I mean, the people were supporting it when he was doing it as plays. That's what helped him move to the next level. So, and that's what I'm saying. The, like the, the fact that we support it, we can't blame Hollywood for all this. Yeah, and that yeah, I agree. That's what I said. Yeah, that's yeah. Because it's hard for black male comedians to make it like without putting on a dress. But it's like when they put on that dress, it's like we shun them. I can't believe you would do this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, before that, like, were we really going to all the stand-up shows or stand-up clubs in your area supporting them and paying for tickets? Like, did we really want to see the likes of Kevin Hart before he started doing all of his washed-up Hollywood comedy that everybody think he does now versus when he was actually going to the comedy clubs making, what, $1,000 a night? So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like we as a culture have to figure out how do we stop the gatekeeping from Hollywood saying, okay, you got to put on this dress. How do we say you're not getting our dollars if you're forcing these comedians to do what they don't want to do and preventing them from being funny in their own way? Because I don't think any of these comedians came up with a sketch to put on a dress on their own. Now, and Tyler Perry, again, I don't think of him as a comedian, but I think he came up with his Medea character. Yeah. But I don't feel like... Yeah, it's just something that's just brought to them by other by Hollywood and telling them you know to be funny to go to the next level you need to do this and it always works because the black community still supports it like black people love the nutty professor (laughs) it was how many of those like the first was enough (laughs) I mean every time I heard a new nutty professor coming out I just rolled my eyes like it's not funny and, like, maybe that's because I come from a family of big people that it's not funny to me. Like, like yeah. all that stuff is that that's health problems that I see. And maybe it's the public health person in me. But I don't yeah. think it's funny when people make caricatures of serious situations in the black community, especially when it's serious situations that I feel like the black community is not ready to face on the like as it actually is. 
Like, we're not ready to look in the mirror and talk about obesity in the black community the way we need to from a health perspective, but we can laugh at it. Yeah. And that bugs me. That And that is very telling because if, like I was saying, it just take it has it helps you take a moment to think like do we really need to examine what we're supporting what we have as goals and morals and priorities for ourselves and as a community because you know the stuff that we are supporting is still affecting us in a negative way and another question now that i wonder i'll have to look this up which one made more money nutty professor because that's eddie murphy right right and dr doolittle he was that's eddie murphy too yeah it is Hmm. i wonder which one made more money yeah like from a comedy standpoint like if it made you so much money like Cause I don't even remember the storyline from <laughs> Big Mama's house. I mean, from Nutty Professor. Was there one? I don't know. Wasn't he a scientist, and he invented something that makes him make slim? Them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he made sixteen million from Nutty Professor. Okay. Seventeen point five for Doctor Doolittle, twenty million for Doctor Doolittle too. See, like, yeah, you got options. That's all we're saying. Whatever you decide, that's up to you. Um, but you got options for real. I just would also caution people to not even a caution because you're gonna do what you want to do when you want to do it. And you're going to make the money you want to make when you want to make it. But what I would say is definitely don't ignore the other side to what you're doing. Because that's kind of what makes you become a little raccoony. <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. It's not fact. But in my eyes, it's like if you're going to do it, that's fine. But be aware of what you're doing. Like we do research when we do podcast episode. We're rare. We're aware of like if we're going to say something that might be offensive to somebody. We try our hardest not to offend people because we're only here to tell you about the way that life makes black people have to switch it up. We're not really here to like judge anybody or try to make anyone feel bad about their lifestyle because that's all your own choice and it don't affect my day to day. But I will say when you ignore how you could be offensive to someone and then you take it a step further by insisting that you're not offensive when that group of people tell you yes it is offensive you got problems yeah yeah even if your intention is to uplift that group of people if you're not uplifting you need to take come from a different angle find another way (laughs) and there are other choices to make like you don't have to do that all right you want to move into our affirmation yeah Um, so I went on, I've been on this like little Pilates kick. So one of my Pilates affirmation was, 
I take time each day to nurture my spirit and find serenity within. I take time each day to nurture my spirit and find serenity within. Okay. I like that. That's something that you like put on the mirror in the bathroom. So like you make sure you do it. Yeah. It's hard to find serenity, baby. Yeah, man. You see me like, I need a reminder. That sounds good, but I need somebody to put that in my face every day. (laughs) I follow that up with the serenity prayer. prayer, uh, And God, please grant me. (laughs) Right, right. So, um, I like that. And I think that's a good way to kind of step away from that article. Because people feel strongly like men. Um, But... I do acknowledge that you have to give yourself space and grace, you know? You do, and you can't judge everybody off of your own morals because that's, you know, doing what other people have done. That's doing what the oppressor does. Like, everybody has the right to be their own individual self, and every individual is going to have different you know levels of what they accept and don't accept dave Chappelle would not put on a dress cat williams would not put on a dress but for those who have done it as you can see like their careers haven't hit rock bottom because of it mm-hmm. so there's clearly an audience for it there's a space for it in this country and in our culture i just do think that again like i said ignoring the pros and cons of it from each side ignoring what it does to the gender you're portraying your own gender individuals who might be struggling with gender like know what you're doing and understand like how it's going to hit society and don't ignore or erase the feelings of people that you might offend yep All right, and that is another episode of Gentrification, our first episode of 2024, baby. Yeah, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Gentrification Pod, TikTok, Facebook. I don't know. We have a page. We don't be doing nothing with it. <laughs> right? Stick to the first two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Instagram and TikTok. You know, Gentrification right. Pod. All right, peace, guys. Peace.